What's up, citizens? How we doing? Who's excited to be here tonight? Wednesday night? Best night of the week. We're so happy that you guys are here. Uh, if you're brand new tonight, if this is one of your first times, maybe your first or second time, welcome. Uh, this is Citizens. We're a community of students learning to live for Jesus Christ. We're super happy that you guys are here. And we are diving deep into a book called James. The book of James is written by uh, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And our series throughout the book of James, we're calling it Faith in Action. Faith in Action. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then your life should be different than it was before you knew Jesus. There should be things that we're doing. There th uh, should be things that we're saying and thinking because now we know Jesus. Our faith needs to be put into action. One of the things that we've been saying, uh, that I've been saying during the intro this week is that uh, we can't just be hearers only of the word. We also have to be doers of the word. And tonight in verse 22, we're going to be diving deep into that verse. And what does it mean to be a doer of the word? Before we dive in, I've got a question for you guys. Uh, has anyone in the room ever had to assemble a piece of furniture? They've had to, okay. Yeah, well, more people than I thought. So like Ikea, if you go to Ikea, super cheap, super great furniture, and they give you an instruction guide, they give you a manual, no words, just pictures. And they show you, right? They show you step by step how to get through the end, you know, to the end goal, to, to assemble this bed frame, to assemble this dresser, whatever it is. And me, I typically, whenever I buy, you know, something that needs to be assembled, I will look at the instructions for about two minutes. I'll flip through. I'll follow the instructions pretty closely for like the first three steps. And then I'm like, I've got it. Anyone else like that in the room? I'm like, I got it. I'm like, I see where it's going. Like, I, I did one leg. I'm sure I can do all, like, six of them or whatever. I'm sure that this screw means this. And, and then me and my buddy, we were uh, assembling some piece of furniture a couple months ago, and we kind of took that step. We kind of took the, like, we'll figure it out as we go route, and we got to towards the end, and we're like, something isn't lining up right here on, like, this bed frame. And then we realized we did the entire thing wrong after, like, step two. And so it's like, huh, what step were we kind of on? 23? Okay, which step do we have to go back to now? Oh, four? Okay. And I had to go back, right? Anyone been there? Anyone ever done, gone and done something and then looked back and been like, maybe I should have followed the instructions more clearly. Maybe I should have known the way more clearly. It's so uh, funny for us. There is a way to do things correctly, Right? For all the artists in the room, yes, there are artistic things, and you can just kind of do whatever. There's no specific way to paint a painting. But in life, there are ways to do things. There's a specific set of things that we need to be doing. It's important that you and I know that God gave us his word for a blueprint for our life. God gave us his word and his Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us throughout this life to show us the way that we're supposed to go. He gives us this word to show us and to guide us how it is we're supposed to experience the blessings of his presence, how it is we're supposed to experience the peace of his presence. And we all want that. We all want the peace that God provides. We all want the blessings that God has promised to us in his word. And the good news for you and I tonight is that we can access those things when we hear God's word and we do what it says. We can access that peace. We can access the blessings that God provides for us when we hear God's word and then we do what it says. We have access to those things. 
But I'm worried, and I think that so many times in life, some people want the blessings and want the peace that God has promised, but they're not willing to follow the way that leads to peace. They're not willing to walk down the path that God has set before them. They want the peace. They want the blessings that come from God, but they're not willing to do what God says. And God tells us in his word that we need to be hearers and doers of that word. And friends, I'm here to tell you that throughout life, you may think that there's plenty of different ways to get to the same way, like the end goal. There may be a different set of instructions you can use. There may be a different set of guidelines that you can follow. But I'm here tonight to tell you that God's way is the best way. God's way is the best way and the only way that leads to life. That's our main point for tonight, is that God's way is the best way. God's way is the best way. Let's pray, and then we're going to be diving into James chapter 1, and we'll flip open there after we're done praying. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful that you gave us a way to follow. God, help us in this moment to realize that we need to follow you, that we need to follow and do what your word says. We love you. We're thankful for this book. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the book of James, go ahead. James chapter 1, verses 19 through uh, 27 is going to be where we're at tonight. I'll read it along with you guys to, uh, here in the, uh, in the screen. It says this, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. James gets very specific all throughout his book, right? Specific imperatives, things that we are called to do. And friends, this specific verse addresses what do we do when we're angry? What do we do when we have feelings of anger that well uh, inside of us? I think it's really important to keep in mind context here. I sound like a broken record. I've talked about it a couple times the past few weeks. Context of James 1 is James is speaking and addressing a group of people who are in the middle of what? Trials, difficulties, right? We've talked about this for the past two weeks now. James is specifically writing to a group of people who would have been losing earthly treasures. They would have been losing finances. They would have been losing their houses, their influence, their income because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They would have been losing things that the earth says is important because of their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. This was the uh, experience of these first century believers. And did these people deserve to be treated the way they were? No, absolutely not. Did these people deserve to lose the things that God had given them because of their new faith in Jesus? No, absolutely not. These people would have been hurt. They would have been experiencing hurt. They would have been experiencing pain. And many of them may have been tempted to try and turn that hurt around and to hurt other people in the process and to hurt other people in the midst of their pain. But James reveals to us a very key component here. He tells us that just because we're hurt doesn't mean that we have a free pass to hurt others. James flips the script of what would be expected from a world's perspective. And he tells us that human anger brings nothing but destruction. That's our first point tonight. Human anger brings nothing but destruction. The things, uh, there's this temptation here, right? When someone hurts us, 
it just maybe would seem natural to try and turn back around and hurt them. And, and James says, I know you're experiencing trials. I know you're experiencing things that would be disappointing. But this is what God actually says to do. In the midst of these things, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce, produce the righteousness of God. Friends, human anger brings nothing but destruction. The world says get angry and get even when we're facing hurt, when we're experiencing pain. And God tells us and he calls us to something entirely different. He calls us to something entirely different. So here we are. We're talking about anger. It says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We know human anger causes destruction. But what is human anger, right? Could you hold anger in your hand? No, it's not like a thing. Is it something that wells up inside of you? Like you're like a boiling pot of water, and at some point you just spill over like anger. I couldn't contain myself. What is anger? Well, I'd say anger is a negative emotional outburst that is focused on causing destruction because we feel wronged or mistreated. Anger, it's, it's causing, it's a human anger is bent on doing destruction. It's focused on causing and inflicting destruction amongst others. Human anger is, oh, you did something wrong to me, I'm gonna fix it with force. You did something wrong, oh man, gloves are off now, I know what I'm gonna do to you in return. I know how I'm going to say something that's going to hurt you. I know how I'm going to do something that's going to hurt you. You're the one, uh, you know, this is the key important distinguisher here between human uh, anger. In human anger, you're the one that's dishing out the punishment. You're the one that says, it's only fair. You treated me like this. I'm going to treat you like that. And times where we are tempted to be the most angry is when we've been hurt ourselves. That moment somebody said something to you, the moment someone goes across the line, the moment someone brings up that thing that you know just makes you so angry and you think, all right, it's time for me to get even and to get right. This is a picture and an image and a dark image and kind of a nasty image into human anger. And friends, human anger brings nothing but destruction. For the righteous, or excuse me, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If we spend our whole lives, friend, dishing out anger when we feel like it's justified, then we're never going to see and experience the blessings of God's perfect justice and God's perfect plan uh, coming to unfold. When we constantly are dishing out our anger, we'll never get to see God's perfect, redemptive plan unfold in our lives because what? Our anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And who wouldn't want to see God's righteousness? Who wouldn't want to watch God restoring and making all things new and healing things? When we step in in these moments, we say, God, I know what to do. I know how to unleash the punishment that this person deserves, and I'm going to give it to them. Friends, our anger, our frustrations, when we let that out, when we uh, allow a negative outburst to hurt somebody else, when we do those things, this is not producing the righteousness of God. Friend, we want to see God's righteousness unfold. We want to see how he's going to redeem the things that are hurting us. But we mess it all up. We add fuel to the fire. We fight fire with fire when we unleash our anger. 
And friends, the righteousness of God is not produced when our anger is unfolding. Human, human anger brings nothing but destruction. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but we live in a culture that's angry. We live in a culture that is very, very angry. There's hurt dished out, and it's not just politically or socially. It's just often within our own uh, communities and our own friend groups. This, this one thing has happened. On, on one side, there's some hurt done to another side or disagreement from uh, another person. And all of a sudden, uh, one side dishes out hurt to the other. And then the other side, maybe you and a couple people say, oh, well, they hurt us. We have to go back and hurt them. And it's this constant back and forth of anger and hurt and disappointment. And the question is, when does it end? It's like a feedback loop of anger and destruction. If I took a microphone, I'm not going to do this. I, I saw Cody get a little freaked out when I said microphone. Um, if I took a microphone and then put it up to a speaker and started talking to it, does anyone know what would happen? There would be a constant, yeah, a constant feedback loop of just ear-piercing noise. And you're like, please make it stop. I'd rather listen to anything else but this. Uh, it's just this, when a microphone is right next to a speaker, it's just this endless loop. It's this endless cycle. And friends, we live in a culture today that I feel like is in the middle of that cycle. It's in the middle of this angry back and forth. This fighting fire with fire, this fighting anger with anger. And oftentimes we say, when is this going to stop? Maybe you've experienced it in, in a family fight. You've experienced it in a friend group or you've seen it unfold on another setting. And you wonder to yourself, when is this thing going to stop? Friend, this constant feedback loop of anger only stops when God's people step up to the plate and do what God has called them to do. This feedback loop only stops when we are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And we realize that in our anger, we can't produce anything that God would redeem and that God would make right. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This feedback loop, this constant cycle, it can end, but it requires us doing something that's countercultural. It requires us to actually do what God's word says to do because God's way is the best way. God's way is the best way. The people are God, of God are supposed to be different. The outline of how we're supposed to act is perfectly represented here in this text. It's laid out for us completely. We need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear. This is specifically talking about obeying God. It's being quick to listen to God's Holy Spirit. It's quick to listen to what God's word has to say. In those moments where we're tempted to unleash human anger, to unleash our, what we think would be a proper return to anger or hurt. It's in those moments where James says, hey, be really, really quick to remember everything that God's word says. Be really, really quick to listen to the Holy Spirit inside of you. Friends, that's the first step. Being quick, ready, actively listening to what God's word says. Remembering it, dwelling it. That means we have to be reminding ourselves constantly of what God's word says, right? We have to be constantly there. Then what else do we do? After that, we are slow to speak. Slow to speak. Think carefully. Think deeply. Think specifically about the words that you're saying. 
So often when anger and conflict arises, right, it's just like for whatever reason, your heart starts beating faster and all of a sudden your mind starts moving faster and you're like, I can think of 10 billion things to say right now and I could just absolutely unleash on this person. And James says, yeah, maybe don't do that. Maybe be slow to speak. Maybe think, dwell, meditate. Maybe it'll take a couple days. Might not be in that conversation. And then after that, we're slow to anger. We're slow to this human outburst of emotion that's bent on destruction. Friends, this is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to say. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What a radical line to hear when you're literally being stripped of your basic human rights. What a crazy thing that would be to hear. Huh, maybe I need to be doing what God's word says. Maybe I need to be doing this. When we respond with anger, right, there's typically already a situation, uh, you know, when anger's involved, there's sometimes often a, a fire that's already blazing, a, a thing, a problem that's already happening once anger starts welling up inside of us. So, like, the problem already exists. And when we get angry, we're just, like, taking a bucket of gasoline and just jumping fuel on it. I get this funny, you know, I have this funny story about dumping fuel on fire. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I was camping a couple, uh, it's gonna be two years ago now, this summer, with a couple buddies uh, up in Michigan, and it was a uh, group of us uh, with our church, and there was a couple different campsites all around uh, this property. And a couple buddies of mine, uh, it's a couple of the other youth pastors that worked on staff with me, we were there in this campfire, and a student who I didn't know super well from another campus came up to us, a couple of the youth pastors, and you always know when students are like trying to get away with something crazy, they have this like look in their eye, where they're like, I bet if I ask the pastor, he'll say yes, and I can do this crazy thing. And he had that look, and he was like, hey, man, to me and a couple of the pastors, I was like, hey. And he was like, can I show you a trick? And he had in his hand like a, a miniature propane tank, like one of those green ones that like kind of starts fire, and you can like boil water and make food. And he's holding it, and we have a campfire going. He's like, can I show you a trick? Now, pro tip, if anyone is holding something flammable, and they ask you if you want to see a trick... You say no, no, you say no, no tricks today, thank you. Take your tricks and go to the other campsite, I don't know. But me on that day and a couple of the other people were like, yes, we'd love to see this trick. You're 16 and you seem totally qualified to be holding that propane tank. <laughs> so this guy, uh, he shows us, he, he, it's, this very, it's condensed air, it's condensed gas in this little uh, thing, and he's like, all right, what I need to do is like, I just need to get a little bit of the gas out onto like this like plastic bottle cap or something like that. And I'll spray it in there and then I'll throw that in the fire and the fire's gonna go like, and we're like, yeah, sounds cool. <laughs> I'm like five feet away. Like, so like the fire's here, the kid's over here, I'm like standing here. And so the, the guy starts, he, this student super loved by Christ, super not smart in the head, but he's just like um, pouring this gas out from this canister into this uh, little like bottle cap and all of a sudden you hear and then you hear this student say oh no <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I'm like huh this doesn't seem good and all of a sudden I look over and it's like I'm telling you it's all in it'll be seared in my mind forever this kid he just now has a tank of gas that is spewing out like gas like straight into the air it's like Psss! 
and it's, you know, kind of like Axe body spray. That's what it looked like, but it was gas. And so it's like, oh my goodness. And so I look, my eyes are like this. I'm like, oh no. And I look over at everyone else and they're like, oh no. And, and then this guy, we're like, like, get it away from the fire because the fire's right here. And our student, our 16-year-old friend here, he goes, ah, ah. And he, an ember at that moment, hits the very, very end of the stream of gas and ignites the, the, the gas that's like spewing out. And so now our friend has a miniature flamethrower in his hand, and he goes, oh, no. And we were all using church-appropriate words, and we all ran away. <laughs> and I was running, and I was like, I lived a good life. Tried to follow the Lord 21 years. It's all going to be okay. Because I knew if, this, if the rest of the tank had caught, it was going to explode, and it was going to be a big explosion. And so I'm running. I'm probably about... 300 yards away at this point, in about five seconds. You can check my math on that one later. And I dive into the bushes with me and a buddy, and we're there, and we look up, we look around, and there is no mushroom cloud above us. There's only laughter far off in the distance. So we jog on back, and apparently, there was the only casualties we faced were a couple people's leg hair that were seared off and a little bit of a first-degree burn on someone's right arm. And that was it. And so we were all very lucky that day. And then later, the student came up to us and said, can I try again? And we said no. <laughs> and that's what it looks like to add fuel to a fire. It's just this massive eruption. It's this massive thing that happens. And friends, when we add our anger when we bring our anger and the thing that we feel like is justified in that moment out of sinfulness to the situation, it looks like us dumping gas on an open flame. The story could have gone much worse, friends. We cannot respond with anger in this moment. In the moments where we're tempted to, in the moments where we feel like something's been done wrong to us. Because human anger will never produce the righteousness of God. So maybe you're listening to me right now and you're like, okay, so I can never get angry. I can never, ever get angry in my entire life. Well, I think there's this righteous anger that can come from the Lord, and then there's this sinful anger. And the, key, the two uh, important things to note here is that righteous anger is what from the Lord and ultimately will bring the Lord's healing and the Lord's restoration to situations. Human anger is all about destruction and undoing and unraveling this thing that would be healed. Sinful anger is produced by man, and the goal of it is destruction. So if you're, if you're going through life, if you see an injustice happening, you see something that really riles you up, you see a, a person being hurt and abused and they shouldn't be, you hear some radical statistic number about human trafficking, and you get angry. Is it okay to be angry in that moment? Yes. But that anger always needs to be filtered through what? Being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. All feelings of anger need to be filtered through that filter right there. And at the end of it, if we take those thoughts and feelings of anger through that, then the Lord can start his restoration. Then the Lord can start his ultimate and perfect plan. Then the Lord can bring forth his righteousness. But if we can't put our anger through those filters, if we just have to say what we have to say right then, if we just have to get a, a, our anger out right then, and like maybe I'll think about what to, they said later, then friends, 
That is not God's righteous anger. So is, it, is the application here never get angry? No, that's not the application. That's not what I'm saying. Emotions are complicated and feelings of anger uh, don't necessarily mean you're sinning right away. But we need to check our anger. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let's keep on reading here. Verse 22, everyone there with me? Up there, you guys, you guys here with me? Over there? Yeah, thumbs up. All right, sounds good. Let's pay attention. Uh, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. It's this funny image here. It's this funny idea of somebody who looks in the mirror, studies his face, and is like, looks away for a second, and then looks back and is like, I have no idea who this person is. But friends, we forget who we are when we're not doing what God says to do. We forget who we are when we don't do what God says to do. Doing what God says to do is a core to the identity. It's core and essential to the identity of the Christian. And friends, when you aren't doing what God says to do, if you're listening only, then there's this funny image, there's this hilarious uh, image of a person who looks at his face and looks away and then doesn't recognize himself. Friends, we forget who we are when we don't do what God says to do. Little meme break for you today. It is Loki. We can have memes during sermons, right? Right? James 1, 23 and 24 be like, I've never seen this man in my life. Yes, no. I was just going to stand there and like not say anything until people started laughing, but it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, all right, sounds good. All right, back in. It's this funny picture. When we're not, when we're not doing what God says to do, when we're not doing what God says to do, we forget who we are. I know I mentioned it last week that I like forget things often and then like I'll drop my water bottle or my Bible and I won't remember where it is. But if you came up to me on the street and were like, who's this? And you put a mirror in front of me, I'd be like, that's me. I know who I am. And you'd be like, oh, dang it, got him. Right? I might be forgetful, but I'm not that forgetful. But friends, God shows us here that there's a consistency, there's a weird inconsistency, a weird problem that occurs when we listen to God's word, when we're surrounded by people who listen to God's word, when we would maybe have convictions about God's word, and we really hope that other people are following God's word, but then we ourselves don't do it. There's, this little, there's like this weird problem. There's an inconsistency there. How often do we listen to the word when we hope other people are listening to the word and we're, we're hoping that they are following God's perfect word and we have a strong opinions about what they're doing because what we believe about what the word says, but when we're not doing it ourselves, there's a problem there. We look like this guy who looks in the mirror and forgets who he is. We forget who we are. It's one of the central themes of this entire letter, friend. Do what God says. Don't just, it's not just enough to agree. It's not just enough to say, that sounds good, or I'm going to surround myself with people who feel this way for this or that or another reason. But friends, we must be doing what God's word actually says to do. Something I'm fascinated by is there's, every single person in this room 
is like super nerdy about one thing, I've realized. Every single person you'll ever meet has got one thing that they can just geek out over for hours, right? It's true. There's a, a, one of the pastors I work with is uh, Pastor Nathan, and many of you might know him. He's our executive pastor, and he is obsessed with NASCAR. And he will not, he's in the wrong state for sure, but he is obsessed with NASCAR. And he knows everything about these NASCAR cars. He, he literally once showed me a model on his like, laptop. He's like, see, if you look under the hood, you can see this, this, and that. And uh, you can see the airspeed velocity as it goes around. I'm like, whoa, very cool, right? There's some people in this room who are like obsessed with fashion and sneakers, right? Like you could walk by someone in the mall and you look at their sneakers and you're like, I've walked with people like this before. They're like, bro, did you see that person's sneakers? I was like, no. Unless someone's shoes are on fire, I'm not like looking at them. And they're like, dude, that's like these off-white blah, 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 and they know the brand and the year and all that. And they know every little thing about it. It's funny that everyone kind of geeks out over this one thing, and they're like, you can tell this is blank because of the way it is, by the way it acts, by the way it behaves, by the, just by studying it, by listening to it, by seeing it. The world, friend, listen to this. The world should know and should be able to tell that you're a Christ follower by what you do on a daily basis. There should be a reality where people are watching the things you do and they know that you're a follower of Christ because of your actions, because you're doing what God says to do. It should be easy to distinguish. It should be super, super evident. But it's not always like that for us, is it? Friends, God's way is the best way. He doesn't hide his will for your life. He wants you to be made more like him. He wants you to look more like Jesus. We're made to be more like him. And maybe you've been having a bit of an identity crisis, so to speak, in your faith, where you know the word, you've been listening to the word, but you've not been doing it, and it's been making you feel like you're having an identity crisis. You're not really recognizing yourself in the mirror, so to speak. If you're recognizing that, then maybe now's the time to make a change. Maybe now's the time to make a change. So what stops us from doing what God's word says to do? What stops us from looking at this text and, and, and looking at verse 22, which says, be doers of the word, not just hearers, only deceiving yourselves. Like what stops us from doing what God's word says to do? Well, first, one could be apathy. Maybe you're just apathetic. You don't want to. You listen, you just don't want to do what it says. It's too much work. It's inconvenient. Or maybe it's fear. It's fear of judgment. Man, if I actually do what God says to do, other people are going to be looking at me. Other people are going to be seeing when I said I wasn't going to participate in that thing, and other people are going to recognize that. Man, that's a little too much. I might be too fearful about that. Or maybe it's simple complacency. Maybe you've been following it in a certain path for so long now. It's like, man, if I start doing what God's word says to do, I'm going to have to, like, change a lot. Like, I'm all, like, ready over here. I'm going to have to, like, go back and, like, reroute a lot of things. I kind of have my vibe going on right now. I'm a senior. I'm a junior. I've kind of been doing this thing for a little bit. Maybe it's just sheer complacency. And all of them are pretty lame excuses. Friends, God's word is clear. And he tells us not just to be listeners, but doers. Don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself, friend. For that person right now who's having an identity crisis, so to speak, they're listening, they know the word's true, they haven't been acting on it. Friend, what does your weekly rhythm of service look like? 
Are you serving right now in the church? Are you serving somebody that you know and that you love and care for? Is there intentional time during the week to serve others? Or are you only serving yourself? It's probably a sheer sign of somebody who's just listening and not doing. That's a super easy fix. Find someone to love. Find someone that you can serve. Another question for the person right now who's maybe wondering if they're doing God or they're just listening and not doing God's word. Do you have somebody in your life right now who will look at you in the eye and say, hey man, you're not, I've been watching you. I love you, I care about you, but in love, are you doing what God's word says? Friends, we forget who we are when we're not doing what God's word says. We forget who we are. But when we do decide to do what God's word says and we listen to the word and we are doers of the word, God's word says that we're going to be blessed. God's word says that we're going to be blessed when we follow after him, when we do what he says to do. And friends, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to say that if you're not trying hard enough, then you're not going to get these blessings. If you're not doing enough, I'm not saying that. Don't hear me say that. God is saying that there has to be a consistency between what you say you believe and what you actually do. And I'm not saying try harder. Work harder to make those things more consistent. I'm just asking, and the God's word would probably be revealing to us tonight, is there an inconsistency? Friends, we talk about how essential it is for the believer to do God's word, but it is also essential to hear the word as well. Listening is an essential part of the process. Go ahead and look down at verse 25. Verse 25 is uh, gonna be right here on the screen. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being uh, no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Whoa. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Friends, we experience God's blessing when we do what God's word says. We experience blessings when we do what God's word says. Friends, we have to be looking into, what did verse 26 say? What, or excuse me, what did verse 25 say? Into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of freedom. We have to be looking into this word and doing what it says, persevering in it. Are you doing that? Are you looking into this word? Do you recognize what this word is? We might see this point and be like, yeah, that's like super obvious to me. That's like if I had a true false question on a test and this was on there, I'd be like, true, very easy. But friends, how are you living? How are you living in relationship to God's word? Are you thankful for his word? Are you thankful for his guidance? It's just an incredible blessing here. 25, but the one who looks into this law and perseveres in it and who is not a hearer, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Friends, God, God's word outlines for us a life of blessing, a life where we're closer with him, a life where we're following after him more closely every single day. He gave us a blueprint and a guide for life and God's way is the best way. And it's outlined right here in this word. It's outlined right here in the scriptures. Sometimes I'm worried that we have a false perception about what God's word is. 
Maybe sometimes some people in this rule, uh, room think that God's word is simply an overbearing rule book. There's a lot to it, a lot to look it through. Maybe some people in the room think that God's word is an overly detailed textbook. Maybe some people in the room think that the Bible is just a bunch of uh, old, boring history lessons. The Bible isn't a list of rules like your school's code of conduct or Apple's terms of agreement where you signed and said you read it, but we all know you didn't because it's like super long and boring. The Bible's not like that because the author cares about you and wants you to know the way. The Bible isn't like an overly detailed textbook that you flip through desperately looking for the answer for the test. And once you get over the test, you're like, all right, I did it. This is great. The Bible's not like that because the words on this page had the power to give us life. The Bible isn't like a, a, just like a, a book written by humans, like the Twilight Saga. It's not like that because the Bible isn't lame. It's true. The Bible is amazing. The perfect law, the liberty, the, the law of liberty, the law of freedom. This word shows us the epic love story of how Jesus came, how he came to save humanity. And friends, my question for you is, are you doing what it says? Are you experiencing the blessings of doing what God's word says to do? Because friends, God doesn't hide your will for his life. God doesn't hide his will for your life, excuse me. He wants us to be more like him. The Bible is his perfect law. Look down at verse 26. If anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives, in, uh, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Verse 26 is just another way of saying, hey, if, if your religion isn't changing the words you're saying, if you're not acting differently because of your religion, then that religion is worthless. But religion that is pure and undefiled before God this is an awesome verse. The Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Friends, widows and orphans in this text, it's specifically referencing the, the least of these, right? It's a very kingdom of God-esque reference. It's the least of these in this society that James is writing to. Widows and orphans could not pay you back for any good deeds if they had tried in this context. There is nothing that you gain on this earth from helping those people, essentially, is what James is communicating. But that's what God wants you to do. God isn't saying, uh, you know, we don't serve him out of a desire to get something from the world around us. This is a specific example of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to serve God because it comes from the overflow of our heart. It's because a true and genuine relationship of, with God will produce action. That's pure religion. That's a pure set of beliefs because it's showing that God is in the midst of you. God is in the midst of your heart. It's not like the Pharisees who would do things to get attentions. Widows and orphans. People who couldn't pay you back if they wanted to in this society. God is saying that the truest form of faith is a faith that is put into action. The one who is always looking to serve the least of these. Not in order to get something, but to actually, truly serve others. The ones who need it the most and the ones who can't give anything in return. That's what God says to do. That's what God's word says to do. Friends, we experience blessings when we follow after the Lord, when we follow his way. 
because God's way is the best way. You may try your way, you may try someone else's way, but I'm here to tell you that God's way is the best and the only way. And we experience, verse 25, when we do this, we will be blessed in our actions. We will be blessed in our doings. Now maybe you hear that and you cringe a little bit and you picture somebody on a screen telling you to give money to their specific ministry conveniently and then you'll be blessed and have a house and have a boat and have this, this, and that. That's not what God's word's talking about here. We'll be blessed when we do what God's word says simply because we'll be closer to Jesus. It's quite literally the exact opposite of what was happening here. These people were following closer to Jesus and they were losing everything from the world. And James was saying, you will be blessed. You're gonna be blessed, blessed. Friends, we're blessed when we do what God's word says to do. We're not obtaining riches from the world. We're not obtaining riches for ourselves while we're here for a short period of time. We're here to serve, we're here to love, we're here to care for those around us. It's pure religion and we'll be blessed because of it. We'll be blessed because we get to walk closer with Jesus every single day. And that's where the blessing's from. We care less and less about the things of this world, I've seen, as we focus more on Jesus. We will be blessed when we follow after him. So as we're closing up here tonight, as the band comes up, as we're gonna pray here in a second, my simple question to you tonight is, who are you following? Whose way are you following? Are you following your way or are you following God's way? Because God's way is the best way. God's way looks like being slow to anger, slow to speak, and quick to listen to his word and his Holy Spirit. God's way looks like doing what God's word says to do and knowing and by do, and knowing that, doing his word and being blessed within it. So friends, who are you following tonight? Whose way are you following tonight? Again, it's not this, this, you know, James is very specific. He's telling us to do something with our faith. And don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying in this room tonight that if you do more, then you can experience uh, if, if you do more, then you can experience the grace that only Jesus can give. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're saved by our works. But James is saying a faith that is genuine, a faith that is real, will be so overwhelmed by the goodness and the love of God that it, they can't help but do something about it. They're not, you're not working your way to grace. You are working through and because of grace. That's what James is saying. So hear me tonight. Be encouraged by that. That's what pure religion is. That's what a pure relationship with the Lord is. So if you're in this room tonight and you know you need to make a change, there's one simple thing. It's just start today. Start tonight. Look for someone to serve. Look at your weekly rhythms and see, are you serving? Are you in his word? Are you disappointed by the things that the world keeps giving you? Friend, I'm saying stop running and experience the blessings of doing and knowing what God's word says to do. It's the plan. It's the path to peace. It's the path to the blessings that God's giving us. And it's found right here in his word and you have access to it, friend. It's not far off. It's not looking like trying harder, but becoming closer. And through your relationship with the Lord, delivering the love of Christ to others around us. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what I want citizens to be about. 
I want you to go from these walls at the end of this night and to do something with the faith that you have. I want you to keep doing it because I know so many of you in this room are. Be strong, keep going. And maybe it's time for some of us tonight to get started. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We're thankful for you. We're so thankful that your word is life, that your word guides us and directs us. God, I pray that we would not just listen to this word tonight and go out and be the same person. God, would we do something? We change the actions that we know we need to change, Lord. We love you. We're so thankful for grace. We're so thankful we don't have to work our way towards you, God. But when we put our faith in you, you have made yourself available for us. Would we know this? Would we go out tonight and be different? We love you, Lord. It's all this we pray in your name.